we are finishing. Oh, last week, by the way, um, it was my birthday weekend. And a lot of you, I don't say that to say, hey, by the way, it was my birthday. I say that because a lot of you surprised me with handwritten letters. And Sarah uh, Sullivan, our campus coordinator back there, she rallied the squad together um, via Instagram and other mediums, I'm sure. And um, so I got to spend my Monday morning just reading letters to me. And man, I just wanted to say thank you. I felt so seen and, and noticed. And you would think I feel that now because everyone's looking at me and noticing that I'm up here talking. Um, but it was just really cool. It was really a gift to take time to receive words of encouragement. Um, they were so specific. And uh, you can ask my wife, that means the world to me. Um, I love when there's just like words of specificity and encouragement. And so I was overwhelmed, man. Monday morning was, was really special. So, so thank you for that. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up Rooted this week, believe it or not. We're going to head into our season of Advent next week. And so um, we're wrapping up this week. We've made it through yet another series. It feels like Back to Basics and Rooted happened in like three days. And um, I know it's been much longer, but um, I'm excited for today's conversation. You know, I, I wonder as you're talking about, as you, as you were thinking about your relationship with God, whatever that one word was, I think that's going to be important throughout our conversation. And before I get into the scripture and the topic, um, you know, we've all, I want to talk about a situation that we've all been in, and it's the situation of finding friends when you're in a new scenario, right? So whether it's transitioning from elementary to middle school, or middle school to high school, or moving cities, or maybe if you went to college, you remember showing up on campus, or um, maybe you remember getting a new job in a new city, and man, I think all of us are just joined together in this abundant commonality of trying to figure out who our friends are going to be, and whoever that is, what level of friendship they're going to go to. You know what I mean? Like, so when you meet people, when you're in a new situation, it's like you have to identify who's who, right? Like, who's my two-week buffer friend, right? We're not friends. We really don't get along, but we will eat lunch together, and that makes us feel safe until we find our real friends. You ever have one of those? I remember when I came to Belmont, and, and everyone's on the same page. It's not like demeaning. It's like everyone's like, not really, but until then, we'll, we'll do it, right? Like, I remember going to Belmont, and I, like, there's like a group of six, and we hung out every day until one day it stopped forever. I had, like, no one texted anybody. No one was like, hey, you want to hang out? No, nah, not really. It's just like we all understood good job. We did our role. That was a two-week friendship, and now it's over because we found our real friends. Have you ever had, or maybe you've been on the other side of that and been like, actually, I thought it was going to be a little bit longer than that. Ouch, right? But you know what I mean? Like, you kind of have to figure out, like, okay, what level of friends? And when you find friends that you actually do kind of connect with, you go, you're not a buffer friend. You're actually here for the long haul. Then it's the game of, but do you agree with me, right? Like, I think you're great, I think you reciprocate it. We'll see, right? You can't like name it too early because that kind of ruins it. Like, hey, are we pretty close? And they're like, sure. And you're like, okay, I'm going to melt instead. I'm just going to melt here on the ground and we don't have to be friends ever again, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like you're evaluating the levels of friendship and this is timeless. It doesn't matter how old you are, you feel this friction. Like th th a few months ago, uh, me and, and Leah, we had this couple friend of ours which is kind of fun in marriage to have another group of friends that's married as well. It can kind of just help things. And so we go in and see uh, a movie with them. And starting out, it starts out with the husbands and the wives, like this, husbands, wives. And uh, I'm sitting by, this is me and Leah. Oh, I love you. And this is the husband, this is the wife on the outside. And so me and the husband naturally, we're, we're getting through the previews. And we're not halfway through the previews before I can tell 
we're not there yet. We, our level of friendship is not preview level yet. Because during the previews is where you're like, oh, that looks pretty good, or you make a joke, or you kind of have some small talk, and we, it just was icky. It just wasn't there. And this is my guy. Like, we're a boy. This is my homie. This is my guy. But it just wasn't there. And without saying anything, I don't initiate anything, he says, I'm going to go sit by my wife. Gets up, walks, sits by his wife. And internally, I was like, yes and amen. We knew, right? We're not at that level of friendship yet, right? And, and even when you get there, there's that moment of like, how close are you to me? Like, you're in my top five. Did I make your top 10? And then there's that really fun moment where they're like, hey, you know what? You're one of my best friends. And internally, you're just like, yes, hallelujah, you're one of my best friends. We should hang out even more. We should. Oh my gosh, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's this tension. This, do you connect with what I'm with the spit that just came out of my mouth, and also what I'm saying right now. Like, there's just levels of friendship. And we're gonna be in John 15 today. And uh, if you have a Bible, I really want you to go there with me. I want you to be able to see it visually. Um, because I wondered this week, because of the text, and, and the conversation is on friendship with, with God. And it, it kind of had me asking this question. You know, we, sorry, we look, at, we look at the gospel story, and I think it's so easy to go, okay, the disciples are the ones that were there for all the miracles and the teachings, and then when Jesus ascended to heaven, they did all the work, right? And that's the extent of it. We never, like, at least, maybe, we, not, not we, I never consider, oh, well, in between these two towns, they had to, like, walk together for hours, and what did they talk about? There's just no way Jesus was always preaching a sermon, right? They had to have small talk and they had to like have just downtime together. Do you ever think about Jesus's downtime? He had that. What was it like? I don't know. It'd be really fun if we had like a fun friendship story in the gospel. Oh, wait, we do. That's what we're talking about today. Anyway, yeah, whoa, your minds are blown right now. Um, but, but anyway, I was just kind of wondering, I wonder if the disciples were ever like, hey, I know that we're like following you. But like, are we boys? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna do what you say, go to the nations, make disciples, but like, are we tight like that? You know what I mean? Like, or are we just here because we were crazy enough to leave everything behind and we're just gonna do what you tell us to do? But, but underneath that, are we friends or are you just the guy that tells us what to do and we do it? Have you ever let your mind just like go there? Like, let your imagination go there. The disciples were real people. Jesus was real. They had a real relationship. What was that relationship like? And I know it was on their minds at least a little bit because, um, there's two different examples in the gospel where they approach Jesus and they go, like, paraphrase, classic, it's not going to be quoting scripture, but they basically go, Jesus, no pressure, but when we enter into eternity, who's going to sit where? We're all equal, you love us the same, but who's going to be sitting next to you? Not that it matters, but who's going to be closest, right? They literally ask, they had their mom, this is a true story in the gospel, their mom comes and says, can I get my sons to sit beside you in heaven? is that chill? Like, is that cool, right? It's like, there's this moment they're like, hey, I know we're cool, but like, how cool? Like, I know we can sit together, but can I sit right next to you, right? And I wonder, us coming in here today, have you ever been there with Jesus? Like, what's the extent of our relationship? Are you just the, the Lord of heaven, and, and, and you have all these things that I need to do, and as long as I do them, we're cool? Is that the extent? You're the savior of the world, that's the deal? Like, What's the extent of my relationship with Jesus? And I wonder, when you came in here and I said, hey, what's the one word? I wonder how many of you thought of the word friendship. Oh, we're friends. Like, how often do you use that language describing God? Honestly, sitting here, I'm not even comfortable using that language. Far too casual for me. Oh, yeah, you and a sovereign, all-ruling God, you guys are friends. He's your buddy. Yeah, right, humble yourself. That's what I think. 
That's the first thing I think. Like, get over yourself, you and your best friend Jesus. Like, whatever. That's how I feel, right? Because I tend to go, no, he's all sovereign. He's all powerful. He's Lord. He's Savior. He's got dominion. Like, bow before him, which I think is an accurate understanding, but it's a partial understanding. I wonder if you knew that Jesus at one point sits down with his disciples and has a friendship DTR with them. He actually begins to talk through, and he uses the word friendship. He actually says, friends. He goes, here, I'm going to break down for you a little bit of what it looks like to be my friend. And so this is the last teaching of Rooted, and I think it's so appropriate, because what we're going to dig into is that a life rooted deeply in a hurried world is anchored in friendship with Jesus. And so we're going to read John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 12 through 17. If you're using one of our blue Bibles, do you happen to know what page it's on? Because... I forgot what, thank you, 526, page 526 if you use one of our blue Bibles. I really encourage you, pull out your phone. I want you to read this with me. In fact, I'd love for someone to read this for us. Uh, John 15, 12 through 17, would someone like to volunteer and read for us? Yeah, come on. You're gonna read it the second time. We're gonna read it twice. Let her know, she's coming up. All right, go for it. Love it, go. So good, thank you. Could you could you read it too? You got it? You ready? Um, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not cho- cho- choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, you that you should go and bear fruit Amazing. That's two of the best public readings of scripture I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. The word Eugene Peterson uses there at the end is the root. He uses root, as in rooted, as in our teaching series. I love Eugene. I didn't know that's who that was, but yes. Eugene, thank you. That's good. Um, yeah, it's all connecting here. That's good. Gentry, you need to pay extra attention because it sounds like the Lord's really trying to get your attention. All right. Uh, yeah, so, all right, so this scripture is amazing. All right, I think it's really powerful. But honestly, if you came in here insecure about friendship with Jesus, like how does that work? How do we relate to one another? Jesus starts out in a way that might have like validated your insecurity, okay? Because in verse, uh, third, nope, 14, You are my friends if, right? And that's just gross, right? If you're doubting something and someone goes, yeah, 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 if, that does nothing to soothe your like doubts, right? Like if is just this big, bright, neon, huge, massive, 170 font question mark. If you came in here going, I'm not sure how God feels about me. And my answer was, well, you're good if, you're like, Okay, I'm so not sure how it feels about me. Like, sounds like there's a lot in the works here. But as we walk through this text, I hope you're gonna see 
that the last thing Jesus's friendship toward us is, is uncertain. I believe that Jesus is gonna pay a explicit picture. I'm only gonna use his words, so I feel really strongly here, that his friendship toward us is so certain and the if actually is about our response to his very certain friendship. So we're gonna spend some time looking at Jesus's friendship toward us first, and then I believe Jesus is offering an invitation to you to reciprocate that friendship. So let's start first with looking at Jesus's friendship toward us. Now, we're gonna work backwards because Jesus chronologically goes backwards, so we're gonna go backwards to chronologically go in order. Did you follow that sentence? Neither did I. All right, so I wanna start in verse uh, 16. Okay, verse 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I what? I chose you. So he's talking to his disciples and he's breaking down friendship. And he ends it with this memory. Hey, how did we start to be friends? Who called who? Who reached out to who? Whose idea was it that me and you would know each other? And I wonder if the disciples didn't just go back into their memory bank and remember that moment. Like if you've ever been at the cafeteria table and a friend came up to you unprompted and that started something. Like Luke, or not Luke, uh, uh, Peter, I wonder if he went back to when he was on the shore in Luke chapter five and Jesus is using his boat to teach to the masses because there were so many people wanting to hear Jesus talk that you know, Jesus is feeling some claustrophobia and he's like, hey, I need to get back. So he gets in the boat, goes back in the water just a little bit to give him some breathing room as he's teaching the masses. And in the middle of his teaching, he goes, hey, Peter, he's cleaning his fishing nets, cast your nets again. Remember, we, we've talked about this a few times in the past few weeks and Peter's going, I've been fishing all night, haven't caught a thing, but because you said so, I'll do it. He casts his nets out, catches a lot of fish and then Jesus goes, hey, there's more. I'm gonna teach you how to do this with the souls of humanity. I'm gonna teach you how to catch the souls of man. It's a really powerful thing, and they drop everything. Peter did not initiate this relationship. And so he's going, hey, if you've ever doubted my friendship to you, don't forget who started this. I did this. Like, you didn't make up relationship with me. You didn't like show up calling out my name, and I was like, oh, what? Maybe, let me think about it. Like, no, I came out and called you by name. And I think it's so easy as we follow Jesus to forget our origin story. Like maybe you grew up in church and you just blame it on that. Oh, that's why I know Jesus, I was in church. Yeah, but there was a moment where a teaching or a song or something stopped being general and vague and started speaking directly into your heart. Not all heart, your heart. Where it was different, where gentry was no longer to the church, it was, to gent it was right to you and you knew it. Like, oh, this is different. This is a different kind of weight on my heart right now. I believe he's inviting the disciples and he's inviting you to remember. Like if you believe in Jesus, when did that start? And why did that start? And when was the moment where it all got real for you? You'd heard the sermons, you knew Christian culture, but there was a moment where it hit your heart specific. And I think God wants to remind you of that. Hey, are you ever doubting like how much I care about you? Don't forget where this all started. I did this. It was my idea. When the Holy Spirit knocked on your heart, I prompted that. Like, I wanted that because I wanted friendship with you. So first, I chose you. That's pretty validating already. Let's just stop there. No, let's keep going because he keeps going. All right, number two. Um, hold on, I gotta flip my notes. <laughs> Stay on track. Um, okay, um, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. He goes, I have told you everything. I told you all of it. Listen, for millennia, 
This has been how it's worked. We have always ranked friendship depending on what kind of secrets we get to be in on, right? Elementary school, hey, did you hear happened to Caleb? No, what happened? I can't tell you. And you're like, <laughs> thought we were better friends than that. Coincidentally, I have a secret that I can't tell you because we're not close enough, apparently, right? Like, secrecy is like, it, it like helps you, especially young age, like it helps you evaluate how good, how good is it? Like, how close are we right now that when middle school drama happens, I get to get in on it? Did you ever have a moment where someone had a secret and they wouldn't tell you? And you're like, oh, <laughs> totally understand. Hate you. I hate it. But totally get it, right? It's like, ah, oh, it stinks. Like, there's something powerful about someone saying, I have information that's really important and I want you to be in on it, right? Jesus goes, hey, you can know we're friends because I've chosen you. I got you. I chose you, my idea, not yours. And secondly, the Father has given me the blueprint to the world, the why behind it, why everything is the way it is and how you can receive the abundant life. And I have never withheld it from you. He specifically says, I've told you all. The Father has told me. This is a big deal, okay? Like, we're made in the image of God, made to know God. And Jesus comes in and he goes, here's how all this works. He goes, hey, you're tempted to see this relationship as a master-servant relationship. I tell you to do stuff, you just do it. No, masters and servants, here's how they work. Hey, do this. Why? Because I said so. It's my job to tell you what to do. And it's your job to do what I tell you to do, right? Because that's master-servant. Because that's not what we're doing here. Like, when I've told you what to do and you said why, I've explained it. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Does that make sense? And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's like, I've told you everything. Like, follow me, you'll get the abundant life. The abundant life is in God, and I've made it very clear how you get to know God. I don't know if you've ever sat back and just, like, been in wonder of Scripture. Like, if you follow, for real, for real, for real, for real, one more time, for real. If you follow the life of Jesus for real, if you like listen to his words, obey him, try to mimic him in every way, you will experience the abundant life. You know why? Because he's given you all the secrets of heaven. Everything the Father said. God has created you, has a plan for your life. He, has the, he is the way, the truth, the life. And Jesus goes, and I'm not holding anything back. You can know we're friends because I'm telling you everything. I'm doing it. There's nothing you don't know. I got, I got you. And the things you don't know, I don't know. Maybe it's how it works. I don't know. Um, don't quote me on that one. Maybe there's things Jesus knows that we don't know. But anyway, in this moment, he says, I've told you everything the Father has told me, which is pretty powerful. All right. Um, number three. I hope this is hitting y'all because this is so cool. Um, it was blowing me up on Monday. It was one of those I read it once and God just like, and it was just, oof, hit me hard. That was a pretty vulnerable noise. Um, all right. Verse 13. Jesus is really going to get out of control here, Okay. He says, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Step one, I chose you. Step two, I told you all the secrets. And so far we're like, wow, that is pretty cool. But step three really gets overboard. He goes, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. There is no better way to put your money where your mouth is in friendship than to lay down your life for someone else. Literally. He's not even talking metaphorically here. He's like, no, I'm... I'm like, I'm, I'm not just taking your work shift so you can have a night off. Like, I'm laying my life down for you. In a culture where friendship can be defined in a lot of different ways, like, I grew up and friendship was like, you like The Office? Oh, my gosh, me too. Remember that one episode where Michael does, <laughs> we're friends, right? Like, that's friendship. Or, or maybe friendship for you is you have the same hobbies, the same interest. Maybe you just work in the same space and that just helps start friendship. 
Maybe you drink together, you do drugs together. That's what my friendships were when I was younger. Like, it was just like, hey, we just, we smoke the same thing together, and you are my guy, right? It's like, I don't know what friendship can get rooted in, but Jesus goes, let me show you just the highest level of friendship. Friendship is knowing a bullet's coming, knowing it's going to hit you, and if I step in front of it, it'll cost me my life, but it'll save yours. I've calculated it, I'm aware of it, and I do it. Like, we're so, I think we can be so used to the gospel story. Man, just bask in the reality that Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane praying prayers, God, take this cup from me, not my will, but your will be done. He submitted his will to live out of friendship to you. When the soldiers show up, he wasn't like, oh my gosh, this totally thwarted my plans. What am I gonna do now that I've been arrested? No, it was always the plan. He goes, I came here to willingly, really calculated decision, lay down my life for you right? Like when the kid walks out into the road and the parent, road? And, and the parent jumps in the street, throws the kid back safely on the sidewalk and takes the impact. It's because that parent has infinite, hard to put into words, love for the child. Jesus calculated, jumps in front of the car that I guess in this metaphor would be sin and jumps in front of it willingly, throws us to the side so that we can live and loses his life for our sake. Don't let that story be old news to you. As best as you can, receive it as if you'd never heard it before. Jesus died. There is no higher level. We have found it. You cannot get higher. When you die for someone, you've done it. That's the full extent. Man, if you came in here and you're not sure how God feels about you, you think it's just a master-servant relationship, dude, or do that. God laid down his life for you. And Jesus makes it really clear. Greater love has no one than this. When someone lays down his life for who? His what? Someone tell me. Lays down his life for his friends. Yo. And I just wonder the false narrative stirring in our hearts in this season of our life. What we believe about God that's just so twisted whether because of just hardship, trauma, laziness, fatigue, whatever it is, there's a million reasons why we just kind of get jaded towards the Lord. But I wonder that one word that you'd use to describe God. What if I told you God had a season coming up for you where you'd go, that one word is friendship. And he loves me and I love him back. He's got my back, I got his back. That's available. And I want to pause for a second. Is anything hitting you right now? Any epiphanies? Anybody want to just share? Is something, has anything of these three touched your heart? I'd love to hear from you. What's stirring in your mind right now before we continue? We'll be fine. We'll do it together. Yeah. Did you ask a question at the end? Well, wait, can you say the question? I didn't hear the last part. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. We'll touch on it a little bit. Not a whole lot, though. Maybe that'll be a thing to think about. It's good. What else? What's sticking out about these first three? Jesus' friendship toward you. Is anything hitting your heart? Anything grab your attention? 
Yeah. <laughs> so facts, big I facts. Like, I feel like uh, um, we have plenty of information even now, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we understand it or that it makes sense. Like, I feel like we're, God okay. gave us everything that He wants us to know. It's so kind of confused sometimes. Mm. I don't know what that means. That's just what I. That's so good. I think that's really, that's really good. We've got it all. And then, what does it look like to? As a human, to digest that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. One more. Yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah. I said I said two more. Oh, okay. I didn't. I said one more, but go ahead. <laughs> With that, like I feel like my whole life, I like I hear it, we talked about it, and like I didn't know it, but it's and it's but it, my whole life it's always just felt like a story. It hasn't actually felt real. And I feel mm-hmm. like recently, like in the past few months, I like have been thinking about that and like really what that means and that like actually at one point in history. And like, it's not just a story, and it's not just in the Bible, and it's not just something people talk about. Like, truly, and like, it hits me harder some days than it does others, and it's just wild to me that like, a man would do that for so many people that like have not actually been born and lived and like done the things. And like, there's it's just it's just it's so much heavier than we really can imagine since we weren't there and we didn't see it. Totally. Yeah, and I think that's really good. I think allowing yourself to go there, like try to picture it, like think about it, the emotions, the sounds, like whatever comes to your, it is so helpful. Like let that story play out. Like I, one of the most powerful moments in my spiritual journey was just like, I think in the past year, but I was doing like some imaginative prayer over the garden moment when he's like, take this cup from me, take it. And like feeling his urgency and how his flesh was like, I don't want to die. But then right after that moment, he goes, your will be done. And then just peacefully, like, gives up his life. And just like, oh, what happened in that garden? Like, you made such a decision. Like, you made such an on-purpose decision to see it through for my sake. And just the floodgates out of my eyes. You know, it's crazy. Um, But, yeah, it's so good to to just, like, really sit and imagine absorb it. So Jesus' friendship to us, he goes, I chose you. Don't just, like, stop, stop right there. I called your name. That's one. Two, I've told you everything the Father's told me. I'm not like withholding anything. Like I've told you everything. And three, I've given my life for you. So his friendship for us is solid, right? But now we're gonna come back back to that you're my friends if, 
right? And so this is kind of this proverbial dotted line that's like kind of up to us, right? We understand, I think so often we kind of relegate God to this other sphere that's unrelatable, but we understand in everyday friendship that reciprocal friendship is really helpful. In fact, reciprocal friendship is the only thing that makes friendship happen, right? Like, you ever been the good friend and the other friend was just very disinterested, you know? And it's like, you kind of figure when it's time to call it quits. Like, never mind, you are not interested. I'm interested, you're not, right? Have you ever been in a friendship like that? Um, where you're like, I'm here, I'm always here. Like, I want, I'm really trying to be in this thing and it's just never reciprocated. We understand in, in human relationships that reciprocal is what makes friendship go. And so it's this, I really believe it's the same thing with Jesus. He goes, you're my friends. So I'm your friend. You don't, you don't have to spend one more second doubting that. You're my friends if you obey my commands. And I wanna give us kind of an illustration that proves that Jesus's friendship is always available, but then there's moments in the gospels where it's not reciprocated. So in Luke chapter five, that story we talked about, they catch all the fish, they drop everything and follow Jesus. That's their response. Jesus says, I'm gonna teach you all this stuff if you'll just leave it all behind and follow me. And they react accordingly. They leave everything behind. Their jobs, their friends, and they just abandon it for the Lord. Well, there's another story in Mark chapter 10, and it's known as the story of the rich young ruler, where a man comes before Jesus. He gets on his knees, a posture of humility, and says, Rabbi, which is, a, I respect your opinion. I respect you as a teacher of the law. And he says, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, you want eternal life? Sell everything you have and follow me. Same thing in Luke 5. Abandon it and just come with me. You will receive the abundant life. It will happen. I am true to my word, but you have to leave this stuff behind. And do you know the end of that story? He, he walks away sad. And Jesus doesn't go, wait, 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 wait. Let me lower the expectation. Let's compromise here. Sell half your stuff and we're tight, right? No, it's like, no, I'm inviting you into a real authentic friendship, but you've got to reciprocate this, this thing here. Sell everything and follow me. You watch me disappointed. And so there's just this reality where Jesus is offering us a real, deep, beautiful friendship that is better than any friendship on earth. But there's this invitation to us to reciprocate it. And how do we reciprocate it according to John 15? It's obey my commands. And I just want to name attention here. We have grown up in a world that has seen broken paradigms of broken versions of commands broken understanding of commands some of you have received commands in your life via abuse right I think about my own dad's story who his father basically treated his nine brothers and sisters as laborers and when they didn't do what they were supposed to do to get work done they were abused right sometimes they did nothing and they were abused right and so my dad has this experience with commands where they were only given out of a hateful heart or maybe you've received commands out of laziness or apathy or the, the because I said so heart. I just want you to really absorb you have never received commands from someone with a heart like Jesus. Only Jesus give commands, gives commands like Jesus does. That whenever Jesus gives a command, it is for the sake of the world and for the sake of your soul. Every time. This is unbelievable. That when Jesus says, no, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you to do this. He says things like, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He says things like, love your neighbor as yourself. He says things like, in John 15, so in the middle of this conversation, 
Like we join them in the middle of something. This conversation started with Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. So you gotta come through me, right? That's a command. It moves into the Holy Spirit. He promises a helper. He says, when I leave, I'm gonna leave you help. The spirit of truth, the helper, he's gonna come to you. It's better that I go so that my spirit can be dispersed among you all. Amazing. Then it moves into abide in me. It's that vine branches imagery. He goes, abide in me, remain in me, I'll remain in you. And he starts talking about this beautiful relationship. He goes, look, me and the Father, like picture of vine and branches, how it's all kind of, they're separate, but they're one. Like me and the Father, we're so close. We love each other so much. And I want you to do the same thing. Like he loves me, I love him, and I want you in on this circle. I want this just circle of just cheesy, deep, beautiful, emotional, infinite love. Like me and you, like just, you stay here, I'm here. We're just gonna be just like a amazing trio. That's the commands of Jesus. Stay close to me. I love the Father. He loves me. I love you. You, you love me. Let's stay together. It's this like beautiful command. I'm like, who in the world gives commands like this? Only Jesus. And so I don't want us to accidentally slip into that master-servant relationship. He goes, hey, you're my friend if you obey my commands. And we're tempted right there to go, oh, that's not really a friendship. Yes, it is. The commands of Jesus lead you into life everlasting. The commands of Jesus lead you to an abundant life. The commands of Jesus lead to the healing of your soul. The commands of Jesus, note verse 12 and verse 17 here. There's this amazing sandwich that's happening. In verse 12, this is the the top piece of the bread, all right, on the sandwich. Let's go to the top layer. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. I mean, if you're an atheist and Jesus is not legit, at least props to Jesus for saying, I'm telling you all this, so you'll just love each other. Can we all just get on the same page that we could all love each other a little bit better, right? It's like, I'm telling you all this. I didn't even expect that this week. That's, that was a curveball to me. You're telling me all of this, so it'll lead to us loving each other? And then as if, it's like, I'm not trying to be subtle here. Verse 17, these things I command you so that you'll love one another. Say, wow, the commands of Jesus, the better of the world, the better of your soul, that we love one another. That's the commands. And so, man, I just wanted to invite us this morning into this reality. I don't know how you would describe, this ripped my mic off at the 9 a.m. so I had to make sure. I don't know how you would describe your relationship with God, that one word that came to your mind. But this whole Rooted series, everything we talked about, today's conversation kind of sums it up. Life is best lived when it is rooted in friendship with God that you guys, that we can have honest back and forth with the Father. He loves us. He's our friend. That we can trust his commands. No one has a heart like Jesus for us. Like No one gives us commands like God does. His commands lead us to the way, the truth, and the life. And so I don't know what this season of life looks like for you, but if you don't sense that you, if you don't, like that one word that comes to your heart and mind isn't friendship, I think God wants to invite you into a season where you work into this this reality that he's your friend. And that may feel vague, so how do you do this? Jesus says, obey my commands. And I really don't want to complicate this. If you want to step into friendship with Jesus, if you want to begin reciprocating that, it might start with just sitting and acknowledging what Jesus has said in John 15 about his allegiance, his friendship toward you. And then maybe it goes to you breaking open a gospel and reading the red letters or the words that Jesus said until you come across a command and then sit with that command and try your best to obey it and do it with God and do it with community. When he says a command like, love your neighbor as yourself, what does that mean? How do I do it? Well, sit with the Lord. How do I do it? Help me do it, God. And I promise you, as you obey, if you're not a believer, I promise you, if you obey the commands of Jesus, 
it will lead to something good. Like God will prove his friendship to you as we obey his commands. Does that make sense? Am I making sense right now? Any, any questions? Any thoughts? Okay, um, so if you don't leave with anything else, leave with this. This week, maybe open the gospels up and start paying attention to the things that Jesus commands and seek to obey them and do that with the heart that understands he's offering friendship and that's you reciprocating that and just watch what God does. All right, so we're gonna go get communion together and you can do this however you want. I say this every week. Treat this like your living room, so do whatever you want. If you wanna sit in your chair by yourself, you wanna go on a walk, whatever, or you can circle up. We like doing that here, circling up into groups of two, three, four people and just sharing, hey, here's what God was saying to my heart this morning or how can I pray for you or anything like that. So um, I'm gonna pray over us. We'll go grab communion. Do that however you want to do it. Um, but just ask God, God, what are you speaking to me this morning? Um, Lord, thank you for this space. Um, please make clear anything I didn't make clear. Will you help? Uh, God, please help that truth sink into our hearts, that friendship is really available, that we don't have to be like religious or um, just dominating in uh, our perfection. Like we're, we're imperfect people, but you meet us where we're at and you help us to see ourselves how you see us. Like help us to see ourselves through your eyes, that you love us, that you're our friend. And God, in return, will you help us to trust that friendship enough to trust that we can obey the commands of, a, of the deepest friend we have? Um, Lord, that, that thank you that obedience, that, that, that obeying commands gives us better understanding of the depth of friendship you offer. Communion, when we celebrate, Lord, that you've become flesh, that you've shed your blood. Um, that third point, that you proved it, you, you gave your life. So Father, we take communion celebrating that you've given your life for us. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.